Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'm joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week is an ESPN insider. He's the publisher and editor, most accurate college football magazine for nearly a quarter century. Phil Still's College Football Preview, which is now in stores nationwide. It's available on philstill.com. He's Phil Still. Phil, thank you so much for your time, man. Hey, a real pleasure. How are you guys doing today? Hey, we're great. Uh, we'll just kick it off. Alabama opens the season in Orlando against Louisville. They're replacing a pretty important guy on their offense in Lamar Jackson. What returns have you heard on Jawan Pass, who's the, now going to be their starter at quarterback? And with only four starters returning to the Cardinals defense, can Alabama name their score in September? Well, I can tell you right now, in Vegas, Alabama's a 25-and-a-half-point favorite, which is pretty high. And, and generally, for a first-time starting quarterback, you want to have a nice, easy start to begin the season. This is not that for uh, Puma Pass, their starting QB. And remember last year, Jared Stidham of Auburn went on the road, played Clemson in Death Valley, and had a rough game. A lot of sacks, some turnovers, and very few first downs for Auburn. So I'm, I'm expecting a similar thing out of the Louisville offense this year, although... I think after facing Alabama, you'll see a much improved uh, QB the rest of the season. And as you touched on, defensively, just four starters back there. They've got my number 59 defense in the country. I've got the tide favored by uh, four touchdowns in Orlando. Hey, Phil. Brad Canning here. Thanks for joining us. And I like that number that you've got so far. So sticking with defense, I wanted to ask you about Alabama's. Is this going to be another year that we have every year where it's just next man up, plug and play, and uh, we can expect a solid defense? Or maybe do you see a little bit of issues with losing the entire secondary? Uh, I think the defense is going to be just fine. We've uh, I've seen the premier teams, you know, like in Alabama, even Ohio State, Ohio State secondary it seems like every year loses almost the entire unit, and they come back and they rank in the top of my rankings. And I'm expecting the same from Alabama this year. Uh, only three returning starters on D, but plenty of starting experience. And, and they play a lot of players, and there's a lot of talented uh, guys throughout the lineup. I've got them rated as my number four defensive line in the country, best set of linebackers in the country, number eight set of defensive backs. So I still have Alabama, the number two defense in the country. And something interesting about Alabama overall is that they're generally very low on my experience chart. As an example, in 2015, they were number 121 on my experience chart. In 2016, they were number 116 on my experience chart. Well, this year, Bama comes in at number uh 67 on my or number 50 excuse me on my experience chart so a, a much more experienced Alabama team this year uh, Phil, the major topic in Tuscaloosa all offseason has been Jalen Hurts versus Tua Tungavailoa. Based on the people you've talked to, interacted with, who do you expect to, to take the job at Alabama? Uh, I believe the starter is going to be Tua Tungavailoa. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, what Coach Saban is doing right now. It's what every coach out there is doing. Uh, you tell your backup quarterback he's very much in the mix, and it's going to be a heck of a battle. <laughs> and, you know, in reality, though, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is a great option because he's got 17 touchdown passes last year, just one interception. This guy takes care of the football with the defense that Alabama has, with the offensive running game. You know, that's the type of quarterback you need. But Tua gives him that downfield passing threat. So I believe you're going to see the start of the year. It's going to be Tua Tungavailoa, and about the only way he loses the job if he becomes a turnover machine, which I don't foresee happening. Yeah, I saw a state on Tua that you had him as your number 10 uh, Heisman favorite. Yeah, you have to favor an Alabama quarterback to be up there. Generally, the Heisman race, you know, if you take a look at the uh, top contenders, an undefeated team, and you look at the quarterback. So I put Tua up there on the Heisman contender list for that respect. 
Okay. Well, let me ask you a hypothetical here. If someone is sold on Mississippi State over Auburn in the West this year, are they crazy or not? And your thoughts on both those teams? Yeah, definitely not crazy because the thing with Mississippi State, they're one of the most veteran teams in the country. They came in number five in the country uh, in on my experience chart this year. And they actually rank in my top units in all eight position categories. And, you know, you talk about defensive lines. Mississippi State has my number three rated defensive line in the country. Last year they brought in all these JUCOs. Didn't expect much out of them, but they played better than expected. And generally with JUCOs, uh, what happens the first year is more of a learning year. It takes them a little bit to get up to speed in the FBS level. The second year, you see them play like everybody thought they would play. So I think Mississippi State's defensive line, I rate number three in the country. They've got a quarterback in Nick Fitzgerald, who's a dangerous runner. And I think you'll see improved passing out of him. They've got a 1,000-yard running back back in Arius Williams. And then they also have, uh, well, like I said, every unit is on my top units because they are so experienced. So my biggest question marks with Mississippi State getting past Auburn this year, first of all, uh, Mississippi State has a new uh, head coach, a first-year head coach in Joe Moorhead. And the second thing would be Auburn's handled Mississippi State rather easily the last two years. Auburn beat them 38-14 to in 2016, 49-10 to last year. So those two factors probably have me keeping Mississippi State from getting past Auburn this year, but uh, they are a clear big-time threat. Uh, Phil, when you kind of look at those top few teams, top three or four teams at the top of the SEC, who are some of the players that, that those teams can ill afford to lose? Well, let's let's go to Georgia for starters. And with Georgia, I, I think probably the biggest guy that they can't afford to lose is DeAndre Swift. I mean, I love what I saw to Swift last year. But let's face it, they already just lost Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. And now if you lose DeAndre Swift, who I'm banking on being a big-time star there, then I think the running back core becomes a little bit of a question mark. Uh, defensively, you know, Georgia only has five returning starters on the defensive side of the ball. The secondary is a little young. I'm probably looking at maybe a, a J.R. Reed in the sa- as a safety because if they lose him, they're down to one returning starter this year. For Alabama, good thing they got depth at quarterback. Good thing they got depth at running back. Uh, I don't know if there's one player. I mean, we saw last year where the linebacking core sort of got gutted at the end of the year, and that had an impact on the Alabama defense, and then they regained their health for the, uh, the playoff run. Uh, I don't know if there's one irreplaceable player on Alabama. They're just so doggone deep. Uh, when I look at South Carolina, I'm going to go with Jake Bentley. And uh, Jake Bentley is a guy that uh, South Carolina has uh, put a lot of eggs in the basket. They went to more of a hurry-up offense this spring, which is right up Jake Bentley's uh, alley. They do have some key players back in Debo Samuel and Rico Dowdell. But uh, if Bentley goes down, I think uh, South Carolina would be in a lot of trouble with Bentley. I believe they can contend. And really, I'm looking forward to that South Carolina-Georgia game September 8th. Yeah, South Carolina gets them at home, and if there's one team that can knock off Georgia in the East this year, I give it to the best chance to South Carolina in that home game on September 8th. Yeah, you went ahead and covered my next question I had for you right there, so great thinking. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, hey, not a problem. Um, so we can cross that one off, save a little bit of time, and uh, I'll go down to the next one I got for you, and, and we're going to go on a national stage here, and I wanted to give you a moment to tell us about some surprise teams, because that's everyone's thing before the season, is whose surprise uh, team is going to make the playoff potentially? So give us a couple names. 
All right, I'll throw two names at you. Uh, we're going to start with the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And uh, the Irish last year were coming off a four-loss season. They were my number one most improved team in the country coming into the year. And they lived up to that billing. In fact, late in the year, they were ranked number three in the country when they rolled into Miami and was favored to win that game. They ended up losing that game and losing to Stanford and finished 10-3. and three. Won't be on anybody's top ten this year. Uh, and nobody's really talking about them as a playoff contender. But when I look at the Irish, I see nine returning starters on defense. Uh, they have my number 13 defense in the country overall. Offensively, Brandon Winbush back at the QB spot. And despite losing two first-round draft picks on the offensive line, uh, they still have a top-10 offensive line, solid skill players. Then you look at their schedule. You know, they have four road games this year, and none of them are easy. I'm talking about Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Northwestern, and USC. But I've got them favored in all four. They're all winnable. That means the toughest three teams, Michigan, Stanford, Florida State, are all at home. And if they get through that schedule, which I think they can this year, uh, they would clearly be a playoff contender. So my number one surprise team, and a surprise team, by the way, non-top ten team that I think can contend for the playoffs is Notre Dame. And the second one I'm going to throw at you is Texas. And Texas last year, I mean, let's face it, they barely made a bowl game, right? Six and six, and we had to win the bowl game to have a winning record. Uh, They're not going to be on anybody's top ten list. I don't even know if they'll be ranked in the preseason poll when it comes out. But let's look a little bit closer at Texas. If you follow me on ESPN Insider and, and look at my Vegas power ratings on a weekly basis, Texas was up there all year in the Vegas power ratings. Uh, they actually had three net close losses last year, so we're three plays away from being 10-3. and three. When I talked to Coach Herman this spring going over the team with them, he was extremely unhappy with the output that they got out of both the offensive line and the running backs last year. That was a high priority this year to fix that, and I think he will. If they get the running game fixed, they've got Ellinger and Bouchelle at quarterback. They've got some dangerous receivers in little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson, and they had the second-best defense in the Big 12 last year and now have seven returning starters on the defensive side of the ball. Now let's look at the schedule. Maryland is a winnable game on the road. K-State's a winnable game on the road. Oklahoma State is one of the least experienced teams in the country, and uh, Texas has fared well in uh, playing in Stillwater. Uh, Texas Tech on the road and Kansas on the road. They play Oklahoma and Dallas. They get West Virginia at home, TCU at home, USC at home. I can make a case for Texas winning the Big 12 this year and being a playoff contender despite the fact they're coming off a 7-6 and six season. Uh, kind of switching gears here, our, our readers were curious. What are the odds that a, a few former FBS head coaches will be on the sideline at major programs again, guys like, say, Les Miles, Hugh Freeze, and Bo Pelini? Uh, well, I know Les really wants to get back in there, that's for sure. <laughs> and so I think just the fact that he wants it so bad, I think somebody would want the name, and uh, I can see him getting back on the sidelines. Uh, next year, possibly. I just think he wants to return, and and some program is going to be looking for a big name to drop in there. Hugh Freeze, I don't see it happening in the in the near future. I think there's a little too much going on with what happened at Ole Miss, and with Bo Pelini. I mean, uh, I I think that what happened after Bo Pelini at Nebraska probably helps his case a little bit, and he's done a pretty good job at Youngstown State. Uh, never big fan with the you know the how how we dealt with the press. But uh, he's a guy that put out some pretty good results at Nebraska. So with him, I'll give him about a, a 40-60 chance. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, Phil, I wanted to ask you, I know you normally make predi- uh, predictions for the upcoming year, but I wanted to kind of put you on the spot here and uh, stir the pot and ask you how much longer, in your opinion, you think we can expect Coach Saban in Tuscaloosa? As long as he wants to. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, you know, 
let's face it, he's he's got the premier program in the country. He's, he brings in whatever recruit he wants. I mean, basically, if Alabama goes after you, you're going to get you. With those type of advantages, why not stick around? And uh, what's he going to do if he if he leaves Bama? So I'm going to say a good long time. It, you know, I'm going to say at least five years or more. One more will let you go. You, you also put out an NFL preview magazine. I kind of want to wanted to ask you about the myth of the Bama bust. Uh, for a while, there's been a thought amongst some that Alabama players sort of don't produce in the NFL. But w- when you go over Pro Bowl rosters each year, it, that just doesn't seem to be the case to me. Why, in your estimation, is that a popular thought amongst some? Uh, I think because there are so many players that come out in the draft from Alabama that there's always going to be some busts out there, and that's what the uh, the writers want to attach themselves to is the the guys that didn't make it. Maybe they had high hopes for them coming in, and uh, uh, they're so it's it's one of those where they're looking at the uh, glasses half empty as opposed to the glass half full. Because let's face it, you know there's a lot of players that enter the NFL in the first three rounds of the draft that never really really turn into stars. And when you put out the amount of players that Alabama does into the NFL, uh, and you want to look at it in the glass half empty uh, aspect, then then you can write that article. All right, that was Phil Still. Visit philstill.com. You can order his magazine, Phil Still's College Football Preview. Look, me and Brad have both picked up a copy of this thing. It's, it is the college football Bible. If you want to know who San Diego State's third-string defensive tackle is, it, it, it's, it's in there. <laughs> it's in I can there. confirm this, yes. Yeah, but it's in stores nationwide, too. You can go to Books Million, wherever, Barnes & Noble. Wait, is Barnes & Noble still a thing? Uh, yeah, it's Toys R Us that closed, but oh, Barnes will right. be coming up. So, <laughs> all right, I know. but but anyways, he 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 does a, seriously a fantastic job. Inside, there's proof that this is the most accurate college football preview magazine over the past two decades. I mean, he he has the stats in here. There there's a place that that keeps up with this kind of thing. They basically keep a tally on how these things turn out as the season progresses, and uh, it's Phil Still than everybody else. And, uh, you know, Phil puts out great quality as well as an ESPN insider. Um, so you have to actually sign up for ESPN, get on that. Uh, it's a good membership to have, especially when the season progresses. Um, you get the info that's in a magazine for the whole year. You get that every week with Phil as an ESPN insider. I mean, I love watching him on College Football Live, too. It was just an honor. I, I try not to fangirl too much, but, you know, when you look at the side of Phil's magazine, you have volume numbers, and this year is volume number 24. He's been doing this for 24 years. I have excuses for why I don't have all 24. I was a, a kid, um, but I've had the last 10 years, and if you guys don't have this year and years prior, I don't know what you're doing, but you still have time to write that ship and make yourself you know, a little bit knowledgeable about a lot of things here because Phil self-admitted uh, in this year's magazine he had a bad year last year but he was still far better than what I predicted on a lot of things. So even when he's bad, he's better than us. Yeah, yeah. Phil still is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still really good. So, exactly. Um, my favorite thing that he said is uh, he's going over the list of players in the conference that are sort of irreplaceable. Look, if they go down, it's not good for these certain teams. And when he got to Alabama, he couldn't come up with anybody. And I, I yeah. think, yeah, I think that that's pretty telling as far as where the program is right now. No, hundred percent. I was trying to think of you know who it could be because what's your most important positions? You normally don't want to lose somebody. You know, quarterback, left tackle. You know, your leader on defense that's in the secondary and in the front seven. Well, hell, when you look at it, we have the depth and the experience within that depth of every one of those major key positions. I mean, I guess the only position we can't afford to lose is Nick Saban. So. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I was doing the same thing. I was going through my head. I mean, there are two. It looks like they may be three deep at quarterback after the spring game. I know we can't put a ton of stock into the spring game. Offensive line, they have guys like Alex Leatherwood or Jedrick Wills. Or, you know, that it's possible that, you know, one of those guys is going to be a backup. Basically, nowhere on offense, wide receiver, wherever you look, offense is deep. Uh, maybe middle linebacker, if, say, a guy like Mac Wilson goes down, that could possibly be pretty detrimental maybe a guy like Deontay Thompson since he's really the lone returner as far as the secondary goes even though he didn't start that much but overall I would still feel fine uh, with with anybody going down I would still feel pretty confident yeah the only way we can not afford to lose one player at one position is when we start losing the starter at that position every freaking week sort of like linebacker last yeah, year so right, agreed Less, all right so let me oh, go ahead go ahead yeah, let me ask you what I asked Phil, because um, I know our editor, he's sold on Mississippi State over Auburn. He's not sold on Auburn this year. I kind of back and forth, but I think at the end, Auburn's defense has been consistent every year. I think Stidham has another consistent year or two as quarterback. So I would say that Auburn is not only the biggest threat to Alabama in the West, but they're probably going to be the second finishing team. But which way would you go there and, and your thoughts on Mississippi State and that Auburn talk there? You know, I'm kind of – I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with Mississippi State because we all watched that bowl game last year, and, and I saw Nick Fitzgerald's leg. Okay, it, That was a gruesome, gruesome injury. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to put my eggs into the Mississippi State basket knowing that he has to recover from that. And I think he's had plenty of time to cover, recover from that. And, that. and look, Nick Fitzgerald is a great quarterback. I mean, he is a threat. If he comes back like he was last year or, or even improved, whatever, Mississippi State's a threat. Um, we saw what where they took Alabama <laughs> down yeah. the wire. Now, granted, the entire defense was injured, it seemed like. Uh, there were different circumstances for that game. I mean, I think Auburn will finish second in the West, assuming that Stidham stays healthy. Yeah, see, both those teams have to come to Bryant-Denny this year, but that doesn't mean you know it could still be great competitive games. The one thing Mississippi State gets every year that benefits them is they catch Alabama after that physical, tough, long, drawn-out game against LSU. So that's always a thing. And if they can ever take advantage of that, you know, they're going to be able to, like last year, they're going to be able to, you know, have a chance to win this thing late. And I think they have more experience. And Fitzgerald, I believe he's going to come back, you know, and be, I wouldn't say 100% like last year, but I would say as close as possible to last year. But Joe Moorhead being a first time head coach, you know, he did have Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley last year, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still first time head coach in the SEC. A lot of hype, a lot of pressure, uh, but he has the talent. So we'll see what he can do with that. Um, but I, I'm going to have to go with Auburn here just because they also have something Mississippi State doesn't. And that's the ability to create black magic when needed. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. it is not an Auburn this coming season. So that I am thankful for. Um, but still, yeah, I, I would have to just stick with Auburn mainly because of their uh, production on defense every year. They have talent at the skill position this year, albeit young. And I think Stidham even doesn't have to be a Heisman-type quarterback. Uh, I think as long as he's a, a decent quarterback this year, I think they'll win nine to ten games again this year. And going back going back to Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, it looks like he's going to continue bringing that talent in. Their recruiting class is really impressive right now. They're getting a lot of those Mississippi kids. And, and you never know with the, with the Mississippi kids until signing day. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they uh, of any state that there is, that they seem to go back and forth a lot. So the, the class may look different in February, but as of right now, Joe Moorhead's killing it. I mean, he, he is bringing in a lot of those talented, talented Mississippi kids, some kids well, that Alabama wants. You know, they are committed to Mississippi State right now. 
you know, the whole damn state of Mississippi is killing it in recruiting right now. And I don't know if Ole Miss, uh, you know, got word from the NCAA, like, hey, you were doing things wrong. Don't do it no more. But, I mean, they're a top five, top eight recruiting class right now. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's know, still out. early. You know, uh, as, as of right now, the numbers, the total number of commitments, I think, matters more as far as recruiting rankings go than, say, your average star ranking. Mm-hmm. But to me, the proper way to look at a recruiting class in June or July or whatever is to look at that average star ranking. Because Georgia, for instance, has, you know, they may have eight commitments, but every single one of those guys may be a high four star or a five star. Well, Ole Miss has 19 commitments and they're all three stars. Ole Miss is going to be ranked a lot higher than Georgia. I think the best way to go about sort of gauging where the recruiting classes are at this point instead of just going down one through ten is look at that star ranking the Ole Miss class might be a little deceiving right now yeah no I mean I'm not shocked anything with Ole Miss is deceiving so (laughs) so yeah you know I was like I I like to see that Phil was on the same kind of thinking here I I was and listen to me here yeah see I'm like Phil I'm thinking this uh (laughs) no you know South Carolina Georgia you know my my best friend's a Georgia fan um and he and I have even talked for months. And back in the spring, before I could even get the full question out, I was like, hey, you know, who do you think is going to be Georgia's toughest South Carolina? Before I could even finish it. He's like, every damn time we play South Carolina in Columbia, he's like, we freaking lose. Yeah. And he's he's like, I already know where you were going. And uh, I agree with him. I think South Carolina is an up-and-coming team. I think they got a lot of talent. And I, I think they could potentially knock off Georgia week two at home. And, um, you know, I think South Carolina could scare a lot of people within the SEC this year. Do I think they win the, uh, the East? No. Um, and I also agree with him on Texas, not to the playoff potential, but I do think they could win nine to ten games this year. They have a lot of talent. The big's going to be down, and they could take advantage of this. And Joe Tess was just a couple years early by yelling Texas is back because I think this year they may fully be back in the right direction. Who uh, who do you kind of see there within that South Carolina Georgia talk, and then you know who would you like to think nationally could you know be a little surprise team? Well, nationally, I agree with Phil Texas, and the reason that I I agree when he was talking about that, I I don't know that he necessarily factored it in during that during that answer, but their recruiting class was one of the better ones that they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know that they pulled in a lot of talent, and I think they're going to rely on several of those freshmen that they're bringing in. As far as the East goes, South Carolina better keep Jake Bentley healthy, obviously. The guy can play. I've never I never thought that I would ever say this, and, and I start by saying if Tennessee never wins another football game for <laughs> the rest of their existence, I'm fine with that. Okay, but it's almost to the point where we need a either Tennessee or Florida to kind of step up and at least be a consistent threat as far as far as the east goes to Georgia because the way that recruiting's going right now and the way that the future looks it looks like it's going to be Alabama in the west and Georgia in the east for a while Mm-hmm. I'm sure the guys on the east are doing the same thing like hey we need Auburn to step up a little bit or we need we need Mississippi State to keep getting guys like Nick Fitzgerald in there. Uh, to maybe be a thorn in Alabama's side, we kind of need somebody to to be that thorn in Georgia's side because I think that gap might end up being wider. I think you give it another year or two, um, I think Dan Mullen's going to get Florida back in that national spotlight finally for the first time in, what, eight years almost now, mm-hmm. seven years. So um, I, I really think that he'll do well at Florida, and I think he can get them back to a actual playoff uh, contender. But Tennessee, I yet to be seen. I don't know yet. Um, a lot there. I'm with you on the – I don't care if they go 0 and 8 and 0 and 12, but that's, um, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, South Carolina, I saw a stat the other day that they uh, they returned the number one overall offensive experience in the country. Nice. Um, so they have a lot to hopefully keep Bentley off his back. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see. I, I'm actually uh, – I think they can give Georgia a good scare, which, you know, Georgia's now our, our new scare in a sense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching that one real close in Columbia and wearing a visor too just in honor of Old Spurrier. So – all right, well, once again, go pick up a copy of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, most accurate college football magazine for over two decades. Phil was awesome, great guest. We had some technical difficulties when we called him the first time, and, and he was he was a good sport about it. Uh, he had to wait a few minutes, so so he, yeah, he, he, he didn't get upset with us, so we're <laughs> extremely grateful for that. I'm glad he gave you the, uh, the insider information of pressing the button that says record because that really helped, <laughs> yeah. so... Yeah. No, but I, that was an honor. I'm glad we got to interview him, and uh, we look forward to doing that again with him next year. That's going to be amazing. All right, go pick up your copy. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley. He's Brad. Roll Todd.